Welcome to the Reseller Entrepreneur, the podcast for reseller hobbyists eager to turn reselling into a successful business. Learn from Mike and other reseller entrepreneurs as they share their experiences and tips on running an online business. Here's your host, Old Fashioned Mike. Welcome to the show. Hope everybody's good today. So, today's going to be an interesting episode. I'm calling this episode Working for a Living, and um, it is kind of spawned from some things that have happened recently in uh, the reselling world, actually more like my reselling world. So I have a very competitive family, and um, a lot of people in my family have had traditional 9-to-5 jobs, uh, also, I mean, high-paying traditional nine to five jobs and they've had, you know, they're dentists and lawyers and doctors and, and I've always worked for other people. Now that's not completely true. I've had a couple of startups that I've done over the, over the years and I've done reasonably well. Um, but none of your traditional, uh, nobody does what I do now. And so there is a lot of misunderstanding with what we do. Uh, there's a lot of, of, um, how do I say this? I'm not going to call it shame because it's not shame. I think what it is is that, um, you know, when you're not making a traditional living, sometimes what happens is you're put into an uncomfortable situation where you have to explain what you do. And unfortunately there's a stigma associated with what we do. Now there's a, you know, different stigmas. One is that, you know, you have the proverbial, Oh, my wife slash husband slash girlfriend slash boyfriend does this on the side as a side hustle. Um, or, uh, you know, um, you get attitude like how, how could you make money doing that kind of thing? Um, then you have the other side of the coin where you have people saying, oh, you're, you're one of those people who are combing the store shelves and buying tons of things. So we can't buy things in the stores and you're basically then selling it at exorbitant pro, um, prices in, on eBay and, and Amazon. So you, so you get two, two sides of the coin there, right? Two, uh, two extremes. But it, what it has in common is it's a misunderstanding. A lot of people don't really understand what we do and what kind of skills it requires. And it is a skill set. I mean, finding things at a lower price and reselling them at a higher price is a skill set. And it's not an easy skill set. And I could say, and I'm sure most of you could say the same thing, is I've never worked harder in my life for a paycheck. I mean, when I had a regular job, even when I was in the executive ranks, I used to travel a lot and used to work a lot of hours. But I always knew that I had a paycheck. Even if I did a bad job that week, um, I knew a paycheck was coming. And when you get into this business, you give up that luxury. So, so, and I try to explain it like this. Um, listen, you got to own what you do. And I'll tell you, it's not easy owning what you do sometimes. It's not like, since it's not very explainable in, in many cases where people kind of understand, uh, the way I do is this. I sell, I'm a retailer. I sell products and it's not, it's no different than owning a store that people come into and, uh, and buy, uh, items directly from you. And that's how you make a living. So it's no different. And the way I explain this is that I am a retailer, I'm an online retailer and I'm not an eBay seller, although I am an eBay seller. I'm uh, not a Mercari seller. I'm not a Poshmark seller. I'm not uh, an Amazon seller. I am a retailer, an on online retailer. And 
why that's important, or maybe not important, but why why I explain it that way is because I think that puts it in an understandable light so that people don't look at you. Now, does it matter that they look at you side-eyed when you do this stuff? Well, maybe a little bit to, to you, and it does to me as well. But the reality is, is that uh, you are no different than any other retailer out there, No, other, especially an online retailer. You're no different. The difference is you have a product that comes from other sources other than buying it from a wholesaler and then marketing it up slightly. We have the benefit of, of being able to shop things for fractions of the price and then and then reselling. I mean, there's there's no harm, no foul in any of that. So you should own it, all right? That's really what it comes down to. You need to own it. And you need to... Uh, you know, make sure that, you know, people don't worry about you. <laughs> you're not just, you're not some, you're not on the verge of homelessness uh, doing this business. It is really a viable thing. And what's great is that if you, if you think about it this way, if you were buying from a wholesaler and you buy it for, let's say 50% off, uh, which is probably hot, uh, really, really good. A 50% off is a really good discount. And then you resell it. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we get much better deals than that. If you're selling clothing, you're buying for $5 or $4 and you're reselling for $25, $30. So, you, you know, you're not a traditional wholesale, uh, a wholesale retail relationship. If you were to buy from directly from, let's say Ralph Lauren, you know, you're, you, and you're selling for brand new prices, which maybe let's call it a hundred dollars just to make the numbers you're if you're you're not paying fifty dollars that thing or you're probably paying fifty dollars that that same item you know and just add the word used on it and uh, all of a sudden it drops down to five dollars but you know you know so does the sell price so but you're not making double your money which you're making with all the fees and all that sort of thing and you got to remember is that a retailer has fees as well they have a storefront that they have to man or if they're an online retailer they have to it's a warehouse right because you're not going to do it you're going to do it in volume because you have to do it in volume you have employees i mean all those things you have we don't really necessarily have i mean we may have some of them but you know they're going to be a lot less because uh, because you know we're we're making 5 and six times our money. So it's much different. And so you just need to kind of understand to be able to explain that. Now, mind you, you don't have to explain it. You can just say, this is what I do. And this is what I do. And you just have to, you know, you know, you have money and that, and so they don't have to worry about you. But the fact of the matter is, is that you do get asked a lot. I know I get asked a lot and I know my family doesn't really understand. They look at my business as being a very transitional business while I'm looking for a job, which is not the case at all. Now, if it is the case for you, th- there's no problem with that. You could always you can maintain this as a side hustle for the rest of your life if you like, and there's no there's no there's no shame in doing that. Um, but we need to educate the public about what we do. Now, what makes it easier on you is that you focus on certain things. Now, I know that a lot of people are really really into watching the videos and going to thrift stores and buying you know house home goods and then buying fashion and then buying toys and then buying shoes and and so on. I mean, um, I would say you're doing yourself a disservice when you do, when you do that. Um, you know, we always talk about the hunter versus the farmer and the farmers are the ones who actually have consistent sales, I think. So my sales are, are, you know, they go up and down a little bit, but uh, you know, with 
the cycles, but uh, but for the most part, they may remain fairly steady and steadily growing, might I add. So, so I implore you to focus, not only focus because it's going to be better for your business, but I think also it's going to be easier to explain your business. So like, for instance, I moved from clothing, I was doing everything like everybody else does. And then I moved to, to, and well, I call it paper antiques or, or, you know, paper goods. And, uh, it's very easy to say, well, listen, I deal in postcards and ephemera, uh, documents, photographs and things like that. And it's very, very easy. I'm very, very focused in my, in my acquisition of stuff. And so when I explain to my family now, what do I do is I'm an antiques dealer, an antique paper dealer specifically. And I, it, it really kind of, it kind of, you know, it shows that I'm focused. And I think that being focused allows you to, to own what you do easier. Right. I mean, now mind you, if you like doing it the old way, that's great. I mean, do it. I mean, listen, I'm not, there's no judgment there. Uh, I don't think it's scalable for me. Um, but some people, you know, they may have five or six children that, that work in the business. And of course you can scale it if you have tons of people, especially if you're not paying them uh, that much. And it's more like a family business where everybody kind of chips in. Um, that's great. I don't have that situation. I'm on my own. So I need to be focused. And I, I would suggest that even if you do have the manpower, that's relatively inexpensive. It's going to be easier for you to scale businesses that focus on scalable acquisition of products, shipping, you know, storage and so on. Right. And we've gone through this before. You can only scale as much as you have room to scale and running a business out of a storage unit is not an easy thing. And I would say even not, not even scalable because you know, you got to imagine you're going to, eventually run out of room in those that situation as well. Whereas, as we've said many, many times, uh, you know, I could fit, you know, 200,000 listings, uh, on a rack. That's probably, you know, six feet by six feet, six feet high, six feet wide. And, uh, you're not gonna be able to do that if you're going to be a jack of all trades and bringing in all sorts of different things. Now, the downside, of course, is you're not going out to thrift stores. And if you really love going to thrift stores, which, you know, who doesn't, they're fun. Um, you know, it does take that element out. You have to focus on having product come to you versus you going to the product. Again, another way to scale your business. And number two, a way to show your, your family, friends, or whoever they're worried about you, um, that, uh, that you're, you're in a, um, a business, type of arrangement. You're not going out and just doing retail arbitrage and going to thrift stores and, and, uh, and, um, garage sales. Now, maybe this doesn't mean anything to you and you don't care what uh, people in your family think and stuff like that. That's fine. And, and honestly, you know, you're, you're much more advanced than I am. Cause I, unfortunately I feel like I need, <laughs> I need to actually explain what I do. Um, but that being said, um, I, I think, uh, you know, if you, don't have that stigma If you don't feel like you have that stigma, then I'd say, don't worry about it. But, um, but the, it all comes down to owning it really. Okay. Enough on that subject. I want to talk about cross selling and what do I mean by cross selling? Um, cross selling is when you have a, a product that you sell and a, another product that, um, is a complementary product or, selling multiple products to one person. Now that's, um, I've been experimenting with a a software called fruition 
And Fruition is basically a template generator that uh, that you can actually create a web page for your product that you're sale, selling and um, and all there's a whole a sidebar and that sidebar has other products that you sell that people may be interested in uh, since they're already buying from you your main product. So for instance, I have, I sold somebody an ex, exposition card. So an exposition card is, you know, they, they used to have expositions. They, I guess they still do expositions, um, for like business businesses, uh, you know, like the world's expo, like the world's fair. And so I sold them a world's fair postcard from like the 1960s. And there, you can take that and say, well, listen, this person's probably also interested in other exposition cards or other world fair cards. And so what happens is that the website dynamically, uh, posts other products that you have in your inventory that would complement or accompany your main product sale. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Which essentially translates into selling more than one product to a person, which is really the best situation. Repeat customers and multiple products per customer is the way to grow your business without really adding more work. I mean, yeah, it's adding more work to to list them, list the items, but you're essentially shipping it to the same person. Actually, not essentially, you are shipping it to the same person and in the same envelope. So it is a, it is a goal for us to do that. Now I can tell you certain products, uh, allow for that. certainly if you're selling clothing and you're selling outfits, if you will, like you're selling a shirt and you want to sell jeans with it. Um, you know, I think that there is, uh, um, a way to do that. And this, fruition software is a way to do it. But I have noticed that in the remaining clothes that I have, I was unable to really sell multiple products to one person. Now I have been able to sell multiple products to one person with, uh, the postcards and, uh, and other, uh, other antiques that I sell. So is that a tool, um, benefit that I've been seeing, or is it just the fact that I'm uh, collectibles uh, people who who are collectors buy multiple items. And so I, uh, I shut off that software just recently. I mean, literally the other day, and we're going to see, we're conducting a little bit of an experiment and see if it's worth it. Uh, if, if the software, cause the software is a hundred dollars a month, uh, after you go through your initial $33 a month, uh, um, trial period, if you will, it goes to hundred dollars a month if you want everything. And so I'm just seeing, did I sell hundred dollars worth of items that I wouldn't have normally sold? So anyway, I'm shutting it off for a while and seeing whether or not it works. Also, uh, ink frog has uh, the ability to build templates as well. So I might try it in ink frog, which me, which is a one price deal. Fruition is kind of a, 
you have a catalog of things you could buy and just that you kind of need them all to, to make it work. Whereas uh, ink frog, it's all included in the price, but it's a little bit less, you know, it's not as customer friendly. In other words, you building a, a template in ink frog might not be as easy as it is uh, with the f- service that they give you with fruition. So uh, there is a 15% discount uh, through eBay. I, I don't get anything out of it. So um, if you own a store, um, I certainly um, have tried it and I'm just, while I think I've seen some benefit out of it, I'm not sure if the benefit justifies the expense. And we're going to check that out. One thing I definitely know that works is if you offer a discount on a second item after the first item is purchased. And I've been doing that as well. So so we're going to check that out. That I'm going to keep going and see if there's any impact on my sales uh, per person, that is. I will also tell you this is that uh, I do get a lot of repeat customers uh, through another program that I do, which is basically providing a physical coupon, uh, which directs people to, to my website, which is still an eBay website, but it still it directs them directly to all my items. And I give them a coupon code. The coupon code is a new thing. Well, I don't know if it's that new. Anyway, so it's, it's something that uh, that eBay has put up that you can actually just create a coupon, a physical coupon, and you can insert it into select packages or all your packages if you really want. And it encourages people to come back and buy from you. So I do see a lot of repeat business. Now, one of the things I have not tried is that they do have email marketing that you could run through eBay. I will tell you that I'm not so keen on that. Uh, largely because, um, you know, people get enough email already, uh, in my opinion, and an email marketing campaign, I, they, they're not really pushing email marketing campaigns, uh, at least they haven't to me yet, through my growth advisor. So I'm assuming that it's not an area of focus that they focus on. So I'm not sure how good it is. I see much more value in collecting the email addresses directly uh, through your website and then focus on doing your own email marketing campaigns outside of eBay. Now, remember, if you get an email address from eBay, that doesn't give you permission to do what I'm telling you to do. You got to make sure that they specifically opt in to your emails, right? So they got to actually go to your website, not to eBay and actually say, Oh yeah, I want to hear from Mike. Right? So, um, don't assume that you can just do this willy nilly and have good results. Cause you can remember if you, if, if you don't provide, uh, if, you, if they're not specifically opting in to your emails, then you can't send it to them cause you could be fined if you're caught. So, and mind you, you might not get caught and you probably won't get caught, but if you do get caught, it's a pretty hefty fine. It's a, a it, from the last time I looked at it, it was a dollar per email that you've sent so if you send somebody five emails just for one user or one customer, that's $5, right? So it's, it's, it's pretty hefty. Now, mind you, is it realistic that that's really going to happen? Eh, probably not. But don't, you don't want to be the person to find out that it is. So now if you're doing it through the email marketing program through eBay, it's different because they've opted in already. And, and really, like a lot of things eBay does, they're basically taking the weight on their shoulders that they're not spamming people with your products. And even if they do spam people with your products, and they may, uh, you are covered because it's done through the eBay platform. And um, so they've presumably opted in already. 
and also all the work has been done. So right, they're not only opting into your emails, they're opting into everybody's emails theoretically, right? And so, like I said, I'm not sure how well this works within eBay. I know it works really, really well if you do it outside of eBay, but it's fraught with danger if you don't do it correctly. So now, mind you, I don't I don't know what country you're in. I know in the U.S. what you do, but I know it's different in Canada. It's different in the U.K. or in Europe, the rest of Europe as well. They have um, some, in Canada they have something called the Can Spam Act, which is um, I don't know about too much, but it's is it's ultimately you need to have people opt in, not people opt out. So um, the rules are pretty rigorous. I would say check your locale to make sure you're not uh, run afoul of of the uh, of the law. Now, I would also say that if you're in Canada, you probably need to look in U.S. law, and if you're in U.S., most likely you're going to have to look in Canadian law. And I would imagine if you actually need to sell overseas, you're probably going to have to look at European and U.K. law. So, you know, the key is what I would say in my suggestion, and I'm not a lawyer, but what I would say is that you go to the one with the most rigorous um, – uh, rules and I, I believe in the EU is probably has the most rigorous rules and I, if you abide by those, likely you will be a, not a run afoul of any of them. They all basically are looking for people to opt into your emails and have an easy way to opt out. Now, again, if you could run it through eBay and eBay works for you, do it because eBay takes care of all that stuff. If you do it outside, which I think is a much more valuable practice and probably a little bit better, and you could do a lot more with it because there are tools out there. Uh, mind you, I haven't done this yet, but I've done it in my professional life, so um, in prior professional life, that you're going to get a much better conversion rate. And the idea is getting people to click through and purchase from you. Now, I prefer personally to do that using uh, a coupon. I think you're much better. You know, if they use a coupon then they know they're coming to you and they're no they're not looking at other people's stuff and they're cuz your coupons no good with other people's stuff and it's it's much more of a direct way for me but i think the value is is that you definitely want to collect email addresses if you can and you do that through your website you basically give them a form to fill out and like i've done with the old fashioned mike website so if you go to the old fashioned mike website and you opt in to my emails You'll get emails from me. Now, mind you, I don't send a lot of emails because I am painfully aware that people we get to way too many emails. But you should be getting, when I do an update, an email or some kind of link that comes to this podcast episode. But I, I'm not going to sell your stuff. No intention to sell your stuff. And um, But it does give you a way. I mean, you see what I do. I basically, you, you opt in by checking the box saying I opt in and then... I could theoretically paper you with emails. Now I'm not going to, but um, but but it just gives you an idea how to do it. So what you're doing is you're building yourself your website using Wix or Shopify. I would say Wix uh, is the way I do it. Um, although I've been looking pretty heavily at Shopify, and then uh, and then basically using a plugin to to pull all your your eBay stuff in, um, and that's the way I do it. So it's you don't have to worry about syncing your inventory. Um, I use Inkfrog to sync my inventory anyway, but um, but you you don't have to sync your inventory manually because it's automatic um, if you're using certain plugins. Uh, but you do that, and then I would say create yourself an opt-in form, and you then would basically use the same coupon codes for eBay. 
so that people go to your website, they get the same coupon code, they go to your eBay, you go to the eBay store and they buy from you and they use the same coupon code. Um, if you're using Shopify, you could have your own coupon codes, but those coupon codes would not correspond with the ones in eBay. So, you know, you do what you're going to, you do, but I'd say that I, I think coordinating your coupon codes are the best so that whatever outlet they go to your products, that they're, that they don't have to experience, have a negative experience because they're putting in the wrong coupon code because you didn't do it correctly. Also, you know, you can also add blogs to your website. You can add things to get people to come to your website site specifically versus, so the, the goal is to get people to look at your stuff, not look at my stuff. Just like my goal is to have them look at my stuff, not your stuff. And to do that, you kind of want them to direct them to it where they only see your stuff. Now eBay is it's in their best interest to show you everybody's stuff just in case Mike's stuff doesn't have what you're looking for. Right. I'd rather have them go find other means to find other people's stuff or look at my stuff and say, you know what, maybe I wanted X, but now Mike has Y. And so we're just going to buy from, I'll buy from Mike because, you know, frankly, I'm already here and it's good enough. I don't know. But, um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily apply <laughs> with, with antiques obviously, but, uh, but certainly clothing it does. You want to get people to see your stuff and not see others. I guess that's the bottom line. And if they do want to go see other people's stuff that they do it, um, through a Google search or whatever, um, or go back to eBay and do a search. Uh, but if you control the outlet that they're looking at your things, then of course the better off you are. All right, so I don't really send them directly to eBay. I send them to the, my website, and they see the eBay listings, and those eBay listings are are um, uh, synced with uh, with what's on my website. Okay, so anyway, meandered quite a bit on that topic, but uh, I appreciate. I just wanted to get the first topic off my chest, uh, just because it was fresh in mind, uh, and then of course uh, I have had some some emails on the second subject about cross selling. So. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining me on this episode and we will see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye. This episode has ended, but your journey towards turning your reselling hobby into a business doesn't have to head on over to oldfashionedmike.com for more information and tips on running a successful reselling business. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode until next time. 